I thought my desire would return once my kids were older, but it hasn't. I rarely think about sex. In fact, I'd be happy if we never had sex again or only a few times a year. Is something wrong with me? Are you ready to cut through the BS and get down to the truth about sex and love? Welcome to the Great Sex Podcast. I'm Dr. Heather England, a certified sex therapist and relationship expert. Join me for candid conversations that address what you truly want to know and answer your burning questions. I want to empower you to ignite your sex and love life. The most common worry I get from women in my therapy practice is their low desire. And for couples, it's desire discrepancy, where one partner wants more or different types of sex than the other. So today, my wonderful son Cooper and I are going to answer a question from a viewer about desire And then we're going to talk about why sexual desire matters to you. All right, Cooper, welcome to my podcast. Hi, mom. Hi, honey. This is my son, Cooper. He is the second youngest in our family of a combined, but you're looking at me funny. Third youngest, third youngest. Second youngest. Oh, second youngest. Sorry. You're the second youngest in the combined family. It's a yours, mine, and ours family of six kids. Right? That's fa- I'll believe you. I, I can't remember sometimes. <laughs> so Cooper, when he was born, he came very suddenly. Of course, you don't remember this, Cooper, because it was you being born. 38 minutes. He's my 38-minute baby from start to finish. Cooper was born and promptly passed out. Scared the crap out of me. Thought we were going to lose him. They got the crash card in there, and then he he cried. So we knew he was okay. And then... The nurse measured his head and came back and said, there's something really wrong with your son and we need to do a scan on his brain because we think it didn't develop. Talk about scary. Apparently they mismeasured because the measuring tapes were new. So it was two inches short, but thank goodness ah, your brain was fully developed, Cooper. And now you're here today with me. Yes. And I am, you know, I'm oddly scared, but I am looking at it with a positive lens and I am happy to dive in and uh, answer and tell all that all of my lovely fans are probably wanting to know. All right, great. Well, so why would I have my almost 28-year-old son on the podcast with me? Well, because he's the most creative and funniest person I've ever met and that's not a biased mom perspective. Um, although I think we do have to overlook your weird cutout on your background today. Cooper is getting ready to move to Chicago, and he showed me before we started filming all the junk behind him, including the gazillion loads of laundry that have to get put away. So thus the bookshelves, right? You know, the goal of the Zoom background is so no one knows what's behind it. Oh, and shoot. I just, just screwed that up. You've just broken the illusion. So. <laughs> Well, but they know you here. folded laundry, right? I didn't fold it. My wife oh. folded it. Oh, you your think wife I folded it? No, yeah. Oh. She's a lot oh, better well, folding laundry than I am. Yeah, we could have a whole podcast on that, on how stereotypical that is that your wife folded the laundry and you haven't well, put it away yet. And how long has your wife been gone? Uh, well, that sounds like we're separated. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's uh, for the viewers and listeners, she's doing a hike. Uh, so she's gone for three weeks. But, and she will come back. I believe that's what she told me. I will say, if you want to talk gender norms, I cook 90% of the time and I clean, do dishes 75% of the time. So, well, no, 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 50. 
Like we share the dish load, but I mostly cook. So let's get that out there now. Destroying gender norms. Well, you are a pretty awesome partner, but you are also the funniest person I've ever met. And I think that you have given me more laughs in your life than everybody else combined. And I mean that for real. Wow, that's very kind. You know, yeah. and I think I, I think my intro, that, that was very nice of you to say, Mom. So thank you very much. You left off favorite child, but we'll get to that <laughs> later. That is a running joke in our family on who is the favorite child. Well, the um, joke part's the fact that it's a joke how far <laughs> everyone is behind me. But yeah. All righty, moving on. Uh, so Cooper, I really appreciate you being here. Our plans are for Cooper to join me once a month. And we will talk about a viewer question each time. And I really appreciate you doing it. I know you have a zillion things going on in your life between your work, your move to Chicago, and your band, Jean-Claude and the Eclairs. Got to give you a little plug there. Oh, thank you very much. I hope everyone shows up at the next show and chants like sex at me. That'd be That'd be fantastic. All right. So I want um, people to get to know you better. So I have Mm -hmm. here on my little notes, I have three quick questions before we talk about sexual desire and you don't know what I'm going to ask you. So here we go. You ready? Yes, I am. Okay. Here's an easy one. What's your favorite thing to do on a day off? Favorite thing to do on a day off. I, I love video games, so I will play video games all day if given the option, but that sounds very depressing. So on a day off I'd probably say love going to a new restaurant. I think that's always fun. Splurging some money on some nice food, hanging out with my lovely wife and our dog Yara. Um, yeah, I think I think that feels good. Also, working on music and kind of coming up with new ideas. I always think that's fun. Cool. That sounds awesome. Um, all right. So this is kind of a serious one. What do you love most about your wonderful wife, Maddie? I love the fact that she's very independent and vocal about what she likes and doesn't like. There's not a thing that she's wishy-washy about that I don't know. I think she's very forthcoming. That's what she said. But uh, I think with the amount of trust that we have together, we're a very strong partnership because of it. And we actually take take this thing from Brene Brown of percentages of like how we're doing for the day. So she'll come home and she'll say, I'm at 20%. And if I'm at 30%, we'll say, all right, what do we need to do? Let's order food. Let's just hang out tonight. Let's just chill. But if she comes in and she says, hey, I'm at a 70. And I'll say, wow, I'm at a 30. She's like, I've got you. So then she's able to kind of help around uh, the apartment more and kind of help me more. And I think it's just that that friendship and trust kind of knowing that we don't tell everyone what we're talking about. It's just between us at the end of the day. I love that. I think that is really neat. And what I also love about what you said about Maddie is you did not say one physical characteristic, which oftentimes I'll ask people what they love about their partner and they'll describe the physical characteristics first, but you described like who she really is as a person, which I think is really validating. I think that's really neat. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, appreciate it. All right. Last question. Uh, How freaked out are you to be doing this podcast with me about sex? Talking about sex with your mom. I'm not super freaked out. I think the original notion of it is alarming. The fact that 
I will be speaking about sexual intercourse at some point during this podcast. But at the end of the day, I think you got one life to live. Let's have some fun. And I think the bravest thing someone can do is be vulnerable. And I think that's a great way to start off. Awesome. Well, thanks. Those are those are really thoughtful responses. I appreciate that. Yeah, All right. Of course. Happy so to let's be here. let's kick it into the content. And why don't you read the viewer question? Yeah, of course I'd love to. So the reader question is Dear Heather, I am a 45-year-old woman. I used to enjoy sex, but then I had kids and I sort of lost interest. I was always exhausted and had 18,000 things on my mind. Plus, my kid touched me all day, so the last thing I wanted was to be touched by my partner. I thought my desire would return once my kids were older, but it hasn't. I rarely think about sex. In fact, I'd be happy if we never had sex again or only a few times a year. My husband is frustrated with me. I love my husband and our marriage is great, but does this mean I'm not attracted to my husband? Is this normal? Is something wrong with me? And wow. There's a lot to unpack. There is. That's exactly what I thought. Lot to unpack there, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I think there is uh, a lot to talk about there. Um, yeah. So let's start first with um, what sexual desire is, right? So it means different things to different people. And for some people, they think about it as their libido, right? But let's, for the sake of what we're talking about, let's just define it as, you know, just your, how much you want to engage in sexual behavior, some type of sexual behavior, right? So an interesting thing is that men and women, and I'm going to talk in really gendered norms here, is they are different in terms of how they experience desire, okay? So... um like, let me just ask you, Cooper, do you think about sex very often? I think, isn't the isn't the term or like the idea that men think about sex every six to seven seconds or whatever it is? Yeah, you know, that is kind of the the information that's been out there. But they, they actually, recent research shows that that's a myth. And oh, I think it's that like men think about sex like 19 times a day, something like that. Interesting. Yeah. I, Sounds know, like I you're don't... more than 19. Well, I'm about four to five seconds. Yes. Four no, seconds. no, I'm joking. I, I don't really think about sex that often during the day. I think, I don't know if it's that I get distracted with work and other things, but I think at the end of the day, and I don't want this to be a whole philosophical answer, but I think relationships are a lot more than just sex. And I, I do enjoy sex. I appreciate it. But I think there are a lot other more important qualities in a relationship that I prioritize over sex. Well, so this is just kind of your, you just got a sexual desire. You're, you know, a thought about sex pops in your head and you just spontaneously think, oh man, I want to go have sex, right? So men tend to have more spontaneous desire. They tend to think about sex more and it just kind of pops in their head and they think about, oh man, I'd like to go have sex. Or they walk by their partner and they think, oh man, they're hot. I want to have sex. Whereas women from a more gendered standpoint, we don't often sit around thinking about sex or doesn't like, we just, it just doesn't pop into our heads. Like I literally, even though I'm a sex therapist, I don't really think about sex all that often. Like if I know we're going to have sex that day, because yeah, we plan sex, 
uh, then I'll probably think about it more that day, right? Because I'm I'm getting myself in the mood. I'm I'm doing all those things to anticipate sex and and all that. But for the most part, I don't think about sex all that often. Women tend to have what we call responsive desire. That means we might not really be feeling it, but the minute we start engaging in sexual activity, okay, even if that's like fantasy, you know, pre-sex, you know, you're starting to think about sex before you're having sex, then we start to respond with desire or we start to get touched and kiss and all that kind of outer course or foreplay stuff. Sometimes we call foreplay outer course. It's not intercourse, it's outer course. So then that's responsive desire, right? So that's mm-hmm. where men and women can be different. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. It's good yeah, isn't that interesting? So you're going to learn some good stuff on this show. I love I, that. Yeah, I feel like I'm a student learning. It's great. Yeah, well, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Um, so the other thing that's really interesting is we think that when you're in a stable long-term relationship that you would continue to have lots of desire for that person. Like the closer you get, the more you know about them, you're connected, you're, you know, you can finish each other's sentences. It's kind of that romantic ideal of what we think a relationship's supposed to be. But actually, that doesn't help us with desire. That's actually kind of decreases desire over time, especially for women. Is it because it's more like normalized? Or well, well, it's really interesting. The things that keep us keep our desires high, okay, in a long term relationship are really more mystery and the unknown. And so, the more we know our partner, and the more things are like I almost vanilla, like it's always predictable, the more we're not that really excited about it, okay? So the thing is, is in monogamy, you know your partner desires you. You kind of like assume that because they're kind of stuck. They can't go anywhere else for sex. So it doesn't, you don't feel special because it's not like they're choosing you like they did when you dated, right? Because mm-hmm. they're yeah. kind of stuck there in that relationship. And women want to be desired. Okay. So women actually desire to feel desired. Women want to be desired. Right. And so when you, so if you're in a long-term monogamous relationship, it can then make you feel like you're not as special and you don't feel desired. So you don't, you're not as aroused and turned on and you don't think about it as much. Right. And a lot of people in long-term relationships, they really kind of have vanilla sex. They do the same thing every time and it gets kind of boring. So it's kind of hard to get enthusiastic for that, right? Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, So how long have you and Maddie been together? Six years. Yeah. So, you know, still, you're still in the beginning, but. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But what, as I was putting together this episode, what I thought about was, what could you learn from this, right? What can you learn that will help your relationship stay fresh over time? So what we know about couples with higher desire in long-term relationships is that they're more likely to have consistent orgasms. So that means both of them, right? That Mm. there's a, that that's a priority for both of them to have an orgasm if they want to, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Because yeah. it's hard. It's really hard if your partner wants you to have an orgasm and and you don't. Like yeah, you just pressure. really yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. That can be really hard for people. I, I have a lot of clients that that's they struggle with that, right? Mm. Because especially in like male female relationships, and, and I'm sure this is doesn't have to be in cishet relationships, but that you know, maybe the male partner feels they really want the female partner to have an orgasm and it's harder for women to have orgasms. It takes right. a lot more stimulation for a woman to have an orgasm. On average, 30 minutes, 20 to 40 minutes is the range for women to have direct clitoral stimulation to have an orgasm. For guys, it's like three to five minutes. Insane. I know. I know. We're kind of set up wrong that way, right? I will say though, the the clitoris has 3,000 nerve endings where the head of the male penis has 1,000. I'm impressed you know that. Uh, For everyone listening, uh, when I was 18, my mother bought my brother and I a sex book. I can't remember what it was called, but unzipped, unzipped. Yeah, yeah, because the cover was a dude unzipping his jeans or a yeah. girl. I can't remember. It or was someone. a dude. It was a dude. Okay, I think yep. it was a dude. But in there, I think it was one of the pages had that information. I thought that was fascinating because yeah, I can I was think about both of you guys read it. I put it on the coffee table, and you both like read it. I think your brother Matt like read it. Like, Robert, I think he took like... it to his room a few times. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to ask him what he did with it in his room. I I bet he has it. I would not open that book if it can open. You know, Uh, I'm missing that book. I had to buy another copy of it. I don't know where it went to. Somebody took that from our house. I will not name it. Yes, that is his older brother that they shared a room their entire life. Mm -hmm. Good time. Okay, so let's get back to couples that have higher desire. Another thing is that they are more likely to have oral sex. I think oral sex is pretty great. Me too. Good. (laughs) Cooper and I are learning our way through this. All right. Another thing is they had more variety, right? So like they did different things. Like they just positions or Yeah, like everything. Okay. Like yeah. different rooms, different positions, like different fantasies, different role plays, different everything. Just not the same routine. You know, mm-hmm. we're gonna kiss for two minutes and then we're gonna like touch each other's genitals for two minutes and then we're gonna dive right into intercourse. I have a lot of clients. That come and they 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 say you know we're having trouble sexually and we just have low desire and then they describe what they do and well that's probably why because they just everyone thinks the main event always has to be intercourse but it doesn't sometimes oral sex can be the main event that's fair yeah you're handling this really well Cooper I want to say I am ripping into my leg hair as we <laughs> speak right now. Right. Uh, couples with higher desire also do things to set the mood. So like candles, music, you know, sexy lingerie, sexy you know, boxers. Yeah, no, it's a great point. I will say the the trope of having like the rose petals everywhere. I think I asked my wife if she'd want that one day. And she said no, because that's a lot of crap to clean up. And <laughs> realistically, how many are we allowed to cuss on this podcast? Yes. How many fucking roses do you need to cut up to get that many petals like a a lot yeah unless you buy fake ones right but still it's a lot to clean up right oh but the room has to smell amazing then if there's rose petals everywhere and then the scent of the candles yeah over it actually would yeah yeah Yeah, it would but maybe that's a one-time thing right or a hotel that could be a hotel thing yeah good point yeah 
I don't right. know if I'd want to do that in a hotel. Sorry, I'm I'm veering off track. I don't know if you're I'd want fine. To do that in a hotel. You're fine. So another thing that couples with higher desire do is they use sex toys, which incidentally, you know, why is it that I have a sex toy right here on my desk? That's probably not good, but it, that did not everywhere. look like a sex toy. That looked like a. I know it's uh, so cool. It looks like an electric toothbrush. But I was going to say it looks like, a it, like you. It's like you put it right on the clitoris. It is amazing. And it's got this long know. arm so you can reach down and like hit your clitoris in with it. Even if you're having intercourse. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Not that I've tried it. That's just what the Amazon reviews say. Sounds great. Right, exactly. That's just what the reviews say. All right. So, uh, and then the final thing that couples with higher desire do, and this is what really all couples should do, is talk about sex. Communicate about sex, about what you need and what you want. And so few couples actually talk about sex, but it really would help them. Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, back to our viewer's question, you know, she's struggling with her desire and is this normal? Well, it is typical. I don't like to use the word normal that as we age, you know, you get into your forties and women's desire does start to, to dip. And then when you go through menopause, it really does dip even more, but there are things you can do about it. There are a lot of things you can do about it. Like I just described things that couples with higher desire do. You can do those things, you know, in your relationship. Mm -hmm. So I guess a question I would say is, would you sleep with yourself? Is that directed at me? (laughs) That's directed to everybody. Think about what you're like as a sexual partner, right? Are you somebody that you would want to sleep with, right? Are you like outwardly manifesting, I'm a sexy person that's interested in sex? And the more you become that person, I think the more you increase your interest, your desire in sex, right? The more you start to feel like to me, the pathway to increasing your desire, it starts with your own sexual self-esteem with feeling like you are in touch with yourself sexually and you know what you like and what you don't like, and you're sexually confident and you, you do, you feel sexy. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I I also think that people tend to, I don't want to say blame others because that doesn't sound correct, but there's always this idea that if something goes wrong or something's not working out the way that you're supposed to, you you tend to blame others and kind of give an excuse. And so what I've learned, and this is not related to sex, uh, but I think it, it is applicable, uh, especially with like a, a team-based project for work. If something doesn't go right, I always look inward first and I say, well, how could I have handled the situation differently? And then I'm able to know that, oh, there wasn't anything else I could do or, oh, wow, I really could have helped in this and this and this. And that might have changed the outcome. Yeah, I love that. That's a great perspective to bring into sex, right? Because it's like, what is my part in all of this rather than what's my partner's part? Because I always say you are responsible for your orgasm. Your partner is not responsible for your orgasm, but you're responsible not just for that, but you're responsible for knowing yourself sexually. Mm-hmm. So, no, I know. I love. I love that that you're responsible for your orgasm. I think that's yeah, really cool. Yeah, and it yeah. also. I think. Do you think though that it takes? Do you think that puts too much pressure on you sometimes? If like you know that it's on you, 
Mm, I don't know. I I'm don't. just asking. I yeah, don't because because really you have to ask for you have to communicate to your partner about what you need. So if you're if you're having partnered sex, you know, it's harder to have an orgasm than if you're just having solo sex, right? And masturbating. But when you're because when you're having partnered sex, you have to communicate to them what feels good, what doesn't feel good, what kind of touch you want. Do you want it hard, soft, faster, slower, all that kind of thing? And you have to ride your own orgasm wave. Like you have to get in that zone and you have to, you know, you have to decide that's something you want. And if you don't want it for that sexual encounter, no problem. You don't have to have an orgasm to have a great sexual encounter. Like that's a big myth. Like you can have just as much connection and pleasure and good feelings without an orgasm. But if you want an orgasm, it's really up to you. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, like they'll lose their focus, uh, especially women, right? They might start thinking about the kids, the laundry, did they turn the coffee pot off? You know, all that kind of stuff, right? And and so when they do that, they get distracted and it really mm-hmm. takes them almost down to ground zero again. And then they got to get yeah. back in that, back in that mode, right? You know, I kind of think about it as a roller coaster and you're going up the roller coaster. There's an author and a relationship therapist uh, named Esther Perel, and she's got some really good stuff on YouTube. I I really love her books, Um, but she said this really neat quote, and I want to read it. I awaken my desire when I think of myself, when I take care of myself, when I pamper myself, when I give myself time to go and do the things that I enjoy that make me feel alive, that make me feel worthy, that make me feel good. From that place of aliveness, of connecting with the erotic self flows the desire. And I think that's kind of cool because it's really all about let's tap into our erotic self and figure out where where our desire comes from that. And then once you can tap into your erotic self, then another focus is looking at how can you desire your partner? What are things about your partner that you do desire? Yeah. And I don't just mean like things they do to you sexually, but that's part of it. But it might be, you know, you love how they smell. You love how they feel. You love just snuggling up with them. You love that closeness and connection you get when you're, when you're having sex. So it's all of it. All of it is the ex- the whole experience. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go, Cooper. I-, I think we did it. I think we answered that viewer's question. Yeah, I think we did. And I think fantastic teamwork on both of our parts. Nice job. Yeah, I really appreciated you being here. It was a lot more fun for me. So let's wrap things up. So today we talked about worries about low desire and the challenges of maintaining sexual desire in long-term monogamous relationships. So I'm wondering if you can think about your own eroticism and explore how you can feel sexier and how you can change up how you're having sex with your partner and how you can increase the variety and the excitement in your sex life. So why don't you run a little experiment for a while? Try some new things and see if it moves the needle on your desire. Your sexual relationship starts with you. So think about what you can do to be more interested in sex and how can you change yourself and your behavior in this area. So thanks so much for listening to Cooper and me today. It was a lot of fun to have him here. 
And if you want some great ways to add more sizzle to your sex life, I created a great resource called 69 Ways to Spice Up Your Sex Life. And you can download it for free at lovefilledlife.com forward slash 69 ways. That's lovefilledlife.com forward slash 69 ways. And that's all I have for today. So remember, until we meet again, life is too short for bad sex.